We care about our land more than somebody down in Ottawa. A land code puts the First Nation into the power of government. The biggest point for me is your ability to protect your reserves lands. Former chief of our community had the vision to sign uh, and the guts to sign that framework agreement. Business at the pace of business. I think it just proves that First Nations lands management really is working. The good thing about land code, we don't have to sell it. It sells itself. Hi there, and welcome to Land Decolonized. I'm Richard Perry. This is the podcast about First Nations taking back control of their lands and resources. This week, a special guest, Rose Paul of Buckingham Mi'kmaq Nation in Nova Scotia, a community that's now in the developmental stage of the land code process. I sat down at the band office with Rose, who is Director of Economic Development and Lands. She is also CEO of the Bayside Development Corporation, and we'll get into some more details about that during our conversation. Full disclosure, Rose has been a valued client of mine for about five years now and a friend for twice as long. She handles a huge workload, all while recovering from the loss of her family home to an overnight fire just a few weeks ago. Here is my conversation this week with Rose Paul. I'm here with Rose Paul at Buckingham Mi'kmaq Nation in Rose's office. Hi there. Hi. Nice to be here. Nice to see you here. <laughs> Back again. Back again. <laughs> Rose, it wasn't too long after we met, probably five years ago or thereabouts, yeah. when I learned about Land Code mm-hmm. from you. Mm-hmm. And you were really the driver here in the community for learning about Land Code and mm-hmm. seeing what it could do. Can you take me back a little bit to those days when you were first discovering Land Code? Sure. I think um, when I was reaching out to a lot of our, our friends out there and um, the First Nations Land Management, I had connections there and I started attending their conferences and visiting different communities hearing their stories, all their challenges and everything sounded so much the same where I was currently at, where um, we were looking at developing on a highway and we were all impacted by um, the Indian Affairs um, Act. And it was then that I started talking to Robert Louis and started talking to all the folks there and they started teaching me about land code. So we brought them here to Bucking Gig and at the time the chief, I think the chief PJ um, really grasped um, a really great um, a handle on things and said, you know, let's explore further on, you know, how this can, you know, work in its best favor for Bucking Gig if we were to do our first nation land management code here. So, that time when I started getting more people involved and in, in our leadership and, and developing the knowledge in the community of how this could be possible here. And then um, here we are today just um, going through a pandemic. However, we're still um, moving forward with developing our um, our own uh, land code here in Buckingham. Yeah. And you are right now at what they call the <clears throat> developmental stage. Yeah. Uh, member two is already up and running. They've got their land code Member two is up and running. And Madawaska in New Brunswick? Or? Madawaska, New Brunswick. So we've, we've actually done um, what we did a couple summers ago just before the pandemic hit. We visited the communities in um, Atlantic Canada that gone through land code. So we've had um, 
a land code committee um, regionally that we're able to connect. So for myself, I connected with Lake Joanna and Chief Trish Bernard in Madawaska. We took the chief and council there, a few members from the community, and we learned how they were going through the land code process. And then we spoke with Con River, um, also went through a land code. And everybody was the same, but had different ways of how they were communicating, engaging, how they were doing their election and and passing it. And it was like a really huge learning curve. So we just took it all in. And then member two was a huge uh, role because then we got to see how they developed all their committees and how they were able to um, work together collectively to develop something that will like impact the one thing that we all had um, known for sure was this is going to be a positive impact for the generations coming in and that they would never have to face um, the challenges and barriers that we faced, you know, in terms of developing our acquisitions of lands or um, getting our land based on the only p process that we're still struggling with is the additions to reserve piece. But I feel the government is working with us on those processes now more so than it, in a difference that I've seen probably in you know, 15 years since yeah. I did my last land, I mean, ATR, sorry. Yeah, land managers and some chiefs that we've interviewed have said that the ATR process can typically be two, three, four years yeah, to get things signed off on. Some some land, I mean, so my, AT, my additions to reserve has probably been hitting now its 10-year mark. And then... Then they changed the new policies, and there's new policy in place. So we fell out of the old one, and we had to fall into the new one. But um, I think just knowing that we're taking control, just knowing that we're looking at in, enhancing our own um, land base and um, and developing the systems in place for us to enhance and protect our environment, um, that we're looking to um, build. Sometimes, um, what I've discovered with, um, and I know a lot of a lot of people in economic development positions, uh, we have to go through a lot of loopholes to do things with the land on reserve, and we, I think now with land codes, what I've learned uh, from my other mentors in land management is that. Uh, once you have control of your own lands, you're not going to be dealing with as much as. Um, in terms of permits and you know designations of land because we had like for for us when we had to de to designate land for economic development that was a vote and then we had to go through another huge vote which was a scariest vote probably any any election I, I i say it's probably scarier than chief and council elections and that was and that was our surrender vote we had to surrender land to develop and we had to have a double majority for that, and then we had another election for the designation. So I think this Physical Management Act tool they have is a power tool, definitely, for First Nations to be able to take control of their lands in their First Nation. Yeah, let talk about the taking control part, because um, back in history, and I know this is a real sticking point here, was in the 60s, Trans-Canada Highway was built, and it split your community in half. Yep. And you were told then very explicitly in a memo that you will forever remember yes. is that you can't do anything with your land, but we'll give you a tiny little parcel where you can sell trinkets. S trinkets. And baskets. I, I, and bas like I think it was baskets. I think it was an agreement. Uh, it was a letter that came down from Northern Indian Affairs in 1962, 63, and 64. Mm -hmm. 
And I think each letter both all stated that there would be no economic development tolerated. I think it was the word they yeah. used. No access to the no highway. access to the highway, or and the other side. nor would they allow any economic development or business development on a highway except for baskets. So. <clears throat> Having read that letter over and over again, I think it kind of grew pretty heavy on me that I was not going to take this, um, that I was going to confront how we could improve our land base. And, and and it was a process. It was, I, I can say this whole journey is definitely the best learning curve I've ever had because of now I've I got the capabilities of being able to see things a little bit more clearer in the future of how our land base will be utilized. And now it's just with the highway there, we've got the additions to reserve coming in. We've got somebody here um, in office that's helping with development of the land code. And then, um, of course, then we'll have to talk about land management. And I think it's now is the time to educate our young ones of, you know, how we're going to be doing that within the next seven generations because our community is growing, the land base is growing, the population here is growing, economic development is going to grow, housing is growing. So at least with the land code and now with the highway and that agreement, well, you know, it was a letter that struck a nerve every time I bring it out every now and then when I feel I need a, you know, a nice uh, kick to get me back in gear and, um, you know, it was just something that I've seen as of passion after reading that letter and the frustration and of knowing what my past um, elders and leadership must have dealt with, uh, knowing that they were trying to do everything they could to develop on the highway and get access to lands and having our lands cut off. Um, it grew on me that I, I wanted to do something to help Buckingham and I felt this was one avenue that I could help in terms of building on to a prosperous future for the community. To give our listeners some perspective, four or five years ago, uh, the main community of Buckingham is over here on the north side of the Trans-Canada Highway. On the south side, which was your land, mm -hmm. there was nothing there but forest. Mm -hmm. What's there now? Well... What's there now is access. Um, definitely fought hard for that. Um, we only have a multi-million dollar Bayside Travel Center over there now that holds nine entities of business in that building that we're very proud of. Um, we relocated our um, entertainment there, entertainment center. We have that there. We have um, our Bayside Gas and Convenience Store. Uh, which we have expansion of groceries and much needs for the home. We have um, our partners with Esso that has our, we um, we have an agreement there for our gas and fuel. We also um, have a, a NSLC um, over on the highway now. That's a liquor corporation. Liquor for corporation who, for Nova Scotia, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Uh, yes, I think we're the first Mi'kmaq community to have that, so I'm very proud of that as well. Uh, we're just recently up and getting by the bay, which is a tourism area, which will um, highlight local art and crafts and history and stories of community in our surrounding Mi'kmaq communities. Uh, we also have a Mary Brown's in there now. Um, she's um, got the best legs in town right now. Everybody's happy she's there. Um, in fact, you had a we, wedding set. We actually had a wedding, wedding dinner. Yeah, right? wedding dinner drive through there the other day. So it was, it was pretty, pretty <laughs> slick. Um 
We also have a long haul trucking company. We have long trail, a long haul trucking uh, partnership uh, with Husky which is the first in Atlantic Canada that they made in first first nation that they made an agreement with. So we're very proud of that was also, we also helped us Husky be out, uh, Canada wide now where they were just a uh, certain area. So we finally, we, we made it official for them that now they're all Canada spread and they're amazing partners to work with. And so that targets the long haul trucking industry. And that's the big card lock down. That's at the, far the end. big card lock yeah. that we have there. So, um, and thank you for all the essential workers that are doing everything they can to help us during this pandemic. Definitely couldn't do it without you. And keeping Bayside Travel Center clean and, and safe and our products and services running. So that's what's over there right now. Um, and your pride and joy, the Trucker's Lounge. My pride and joy, the Trucker's Lounge. Yeah, we have a full, um, except for wash and drying, but I'm getting to that. Um but yeah, it's the truckers and, and the community. We're just so proud of it. Like it's just a development that um, with First Nations uh, land management, I met a lot of sister organizations along the way that, that helped. You know, there was um, when I went to land management, um, then I met um, Manny Jules. I met him with the First Nations Tax Commission. So now we're utilizing our tax code, our tax laws. Um, we also... Um, met our friends from the first nation finance authority uh frank bush was a big huge help on that and um we um we uh got a, a loan through first nation finance authority to be able to help us build our um build it and it was so amazing how the first nations land management and first nation help um first nations um land management and first nations finance authority all had to work hand in hand together because um because of the land base and then we had to work with them on the finance and so it was i could see how the dynamics of each working with each very prestigious organization assisted us and then we worked um with the first nation finance management board and I think and, you got certified through that, And we right? got certified, yep. Yeah. We got certified last November, I want to say. If not, I'm, if I'm incorrect, I'm sorry, but I think it was around then. So we've been working a lot around um, all these really great organizations. And it, it all started from Land Code. Like, it all, it all stemmed from Land Code and then bringing in all these other players that will benefit... And, and all these organizations I mentioned are all the power tools of the Physical Management Act. And I'm proud to say that Buck and Kick has those power tools. I'm glad that we have all those amazing uh, organizations and their and their staff and their and their leads all working directly with myself, um, our interim chief, our past chiefs, and our chief and councils, and are developing the capacities and all of the things that we need to to make some really big change. Um, for how everything's going to happen here in Buck and Kick now and in the future. It's amazing how you've developed the capacity here to follow through on the land code process because you were that was your file totally and it still is yeah. overall. Yeah. But then you've been able to bring up somebody to help on that as well mm -hmm. in Paula. Paula, yeah. Um, can you tell us sort of where that sits now? Sure. Um, Paula, Paula Paul, um, she's been working um, with us for the development of the land code. Um, we're very close. We have a draft uh, ratification um, um, code, I guess, that's been going to chief and council. She's um, formed um, a working committee, which is more of the executives. And then we have our 
Myself, I sit on the executive board. And then Paula has another working committee where it consists of us and people that we have to work with at Indian Affairs and Surveyor Generals and all of those players and for folks from the FNLA may help us and guide us through that. And then we have another like that's more of a community-based um, committee. Uh, we meet on them pretty regularly. Um, we're aiming to vote. I, I And don't quote me on this, but it was just saying that they're aiming to vote uh, before our elections, our band elections in November of 2021. Um, so we're aiming to vote in the fall of 2021 um, for this land code. And uh, Paula has been um, the in, the person and the woman here in the community. She's from Buckingham, and she's the one been helping me with um, development stages. And uh, yeah, I remember so, working with Paula on, on some of the original documentation, like yeah. the plain language. Yeah, when we first had those community meetings. Yes. And um, Danielle Elin. Danielle Elin. From uh, Eastern Zone, I guess, mm-hmm. the Eastern Region of the Resource Center, mm-hmm. was very helpful. She still is. She, she continues to be in Tanya Big Stone. Um, both of them work very closely with us on the FNLMA. Danielle and uh, Paula probably talk every day. Uh, Tanya is extraordinary when it comes to all of the survey and i mean this woman could be a lawyer i swear she knows her stuff when it and she's brought us a lot of knowledge like things that we've never heard about in terms of um um being more aware of how our land uh should be managed it, it was like i couldn't i couldn't believe what we should have been doing like you know and now knowing that we put those in paper and put them into action there's definitely something we're going to make sure we get we have done and protected that's why i says very important this land code is not important enough just control but it's very important for um um the proper and sound management of the lands in bucking kick and um and, and it's just going to prevent all those arbitrary, um, you know, mechanisms that we've had to deal with. So uh, we've got land base um, here in Buckingham. Gig. Um, we've got three parcels. We have the main one on the reserve here. We have one in Summerside, which we call Walnick. Then we have one in Hedderton area, which is called Nituig. And They're just then, a few miles Just from here. a few miles from each other. And we have to protect those areas because those areas are very sacred. And... Then we have land that we'd have to um, look at right now. It's jointly owned with Pictou Land and First Nation of Franklin Manor. So we're, we're th- these are all the things where Tanya Bigstone really opened our eyes and saying, like, you know, this is what we could be doing and this is what you should be doing and, and putting those into an action plan to make sure we're signed off by leadership that this is how we're going to be, you know, have proper sound management of the land here for, for our community. So... They're, they're an amazing team. Like, um, we couldn't have gotten as far as uh, we have with the land code without their guidance, for sure. And it's so cool to see other communities, other signatory communities, whether it's in British Columbia mm-hmm. or Quebec or Ontario yeah. or the Prairies. Everybody's willing to help anyone who asks at a moment's notice. They do. They Oh, the, the network um, just going on a site. And I really enjoy the podcasts that are being done now because I've learned a lot from those podcasts because... Um, or, or if I if I find a name on there, I'm going to look them up on Google or Facebook, and I'm going to add them as a friend. And I'm going to ask those questions, and it's it's just um, 
we're not alone on this. Like they've all, we all have to, we all had the same, um, challenges and our developments are different. Like there's some in mines, there's some in, um, economic development, like ours in retail. And then there's some in forestry and like, all of the resources are different and the different sound resource managements that they have taken, um, full control of from first nations land management code is amazing. Like I've, I follow the podcasts and then I go on and I see the videos of what they've developed from having a land code without all the challenges and all of the loopholes that we are, are faced with all the time when it comes to the, when it comes to the Indian act, when it, you know, removing those pieces from the Indian act is probably the, the best thing any reserve could have ever done. And I commend those communities highly. Yeah. Just in wrapping up, Rose, uh, I know you're a visionary person and you've always got your eye on the future. Uh, where do you see Buckingham as a result of taking control of your land, say seven or 10 years from now? Well, one thing I'm going to make sure, whether I'm here or not, is that there's no, going to be no expropriation of my lands. Hmm. And, um, and that's going to be something I'm going to make sure that I, it is part of my role here in the community. But we're only getting started. Like we've already, we've got, we've got a nice development happening over there that we're very proud of. But it's just a start. Um, we really want to expand our business development on the highway. We're looking at hotel. We're looking at business centers. We're looking at um, resource resource development. Um, There's potentially a big LNG. The LNG projects terminal. that we're working with now and developing our joint ventures and our memorandum of understandings with what, and what, and it's really what I've noticed that is. The stories are heard because people listen out there and they know that the community is positioning them themselves in a very, I guess you could say a very high competitive way where they can't be, um, like I said, it can't, there can't be no arbitration done to them. And those communities seeing that, seeing us positioning ourselves that way makes us stronger, is opening up a lot of doors for a lot of um additional business and relationships, partnerships, and definitely um, looking at more land base. Um, the land base I'd like to see would be probably more maybe urban, you know, how can we do that? You know, um, buying, uh, buying the lands, you know, around us to expand our, because our, our community is growing, our um, population in the community is growing. We have a lot of people that want to come home to work and relocate and maybe retire back at home. So my vision will stay the same. My vision will be always for the best interest of the community. Um, definitely don't want to see struggles that, that we had to have now. Like I've seen it back when I was a little little one there watch, listening to my grandparents. Then I watched it and experienced it myself. So definitely the strength that we've learned from our knowledge is going to be used in its best interest for the community. We're going to keep on, we're going to keep on, no pun intended, we're going to keep on trucking. <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much. This is the first uh, 
conversation in our entire series we've been able to do in person yeah, in the community. So <laughs> thank you very much that, for the opportunity. And it's, and it's really, I, I want to say thanks, uh, really uh, shout out to our friends at the First Nations Land Management team and staff. Uh, without just, um, you know, we would... We wouldn't be where we are today, and I, I thank you all for placing us under your wing and um, taking us, swooping us up, and helping us out when we need us. And walalio, uh, miigwech, and uh, I'll chat with you guys all, hopefully at our next conference face-to-face in after, person. In person. <laughs> thank you, Rose. No problem. Thanks again to Rose Paul of Buckingham and Mi'kmaq Nation, hoping to become the second First Nation in Nova Scotia to become operational with its own land code. We will be sure to update you on the results of the community ratification vote. Thanks for listening and making this podcast number four last month in Apple Podcasts' ranking of nonprofits in Canada. I'm Richard Perry. We'll talk with you next week.